Singing teachers and vocal coaches, are you yet to build your business website or like me, have you been meaning to update it for months, but just lack the inspiration for it? Well, stick around because website designer Taylor Rossi from Nicole Ricardo Media is here with me for this week's episode, dishing all the goss on this very topic. Taylor Rossi, we need your help with our business website. So thank you for coming to the rescue. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk about websites. I know that for musicians, it's the millionth thing on your to-do list. So I'm happy to chat about it and you know help you sort out all the things you need to do and hopefully make it a little less overwhelming. Thank you. We are living in the 21st century, so we're always on websites. What is the main purpose of having a website for a business? I like to view it as an extension of yourself to help do your marketing for you and basically be another business person on your team that you don't have to pay. Um, It works as a way to get ideal students or ideal clients for you so that you can spend your time doing actually what you love, which is teaching or performing or anything like that. So it's a place of information. It's a place for people to figure out if they're the right fit for you and vice versa. Really, I like to think of it as a resource. You're a website designer for Nicole Ricardo Media, which offers conversion-based web design. Can you explain what a conversion-based strategy is and what that actually includes? Absolutely. So the difference between a regular website and one designed with a conversion-based strategy is that one that is focusing on conversion is helping you actually get clients versus just being more of like a landing page that just has information where no one would take any next steps. So the point of having a website that converts is that it will actually help you get more business. Sometimes there's websites that are just intended to be looked at and no further action or steps are taken, but having a website that has conversion qualities for the copywriting, for the flow of it, the design, even the images can all be really, really helpful to help you, like I said, get clients, make money um, and work for you so that you're not having to put so much work into things like networking or just emailing other people and things like that. If a teacher happens to have a a full studio or isn't particularly looking to expand their client base at this time, how necessary is it for them to still have a website that they maintain? That's such an excellent question. There's a couple ways you can think about it. If you're a teacher who, like you said, it's your studio is totally full, what you could do is actually use your website to uh, either create a waiting list and just have people gain interest in case you were to ever move or if you had a whole bunch of students leave. Um, what you could also do is use it to make more passive income. So you could say like, my studio is full right now, but here are some resources that I use with my students that you can buy off of my website or even use it maybe to just share information about your students to kind of just keep yourself relevant and keep that information in place. Um, You can also, if you don't want to use the front end of it to attract new students, you can use the back end as a kind of like portal for your students, maybe to have like sheet music there or recordings, or just kind of like as a little forum to give updates to your studio to build more of a community. I think it really is based on your preference and what you want to 
do with it and go in a certain direction. But I I find it's really helpful to have it just to keep that momentum going because we never know what can happen. There's no guarantee with students. So it's just really helpful to stay relevant in a way. There are so many different platforms that we can use. There's things like WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, which in your opinion is the best platform and, and why would you say that one? My preference has been for a long time and continues to be Wix because it's so user-friendly. It gives you a lot of creative freedom, which I find is really helpful for musicians who just don't want to be boxed into something. And I find things like WordPress, that's a great tool for organizations or big companies because there's coding involved and a ton of people are going to your website all at the same time. It's really helpful to avoid any kind of crash or anything like that. But I find that WordPress is unnecessarily complicated for a sole individual or a very small um, studio or company. Wix is super helpful because you don't need any coding um, background or you don't need to be tech savvy. I know people who are the least tech savvy and it's it's a drag and drop kind of formula. So if you've ever used like a Word document, you can use Wix. It's very, very easy. And it just gives you a lot of options and resources and things like that. So I've always been a fan of it, especially for our clients, because anytime we design websites, we just create a little video for them after to show them how to use their specific website. And then they can have that information and feel empowered to make their own edits versus having to pay someone time and time again to make updates like you might have to on another um, kind of website platform. Before we get completely carried away with things like colors and fonts and images, like the fun stuff, what do we need to consider about our business and our mission? Yeah, so this is where the line comes in of conversion-based versus just a website that we've created that a lot of musicians, when they kind of do their own website, that that can have. So I find that a lot of websites that aren't using this kind of conversion-based knowledge, they don't consider what people actually need to see or what their ideal students or clients want to see either. So for example, a lot of websites I see are very focused on the person who whose studio it is or that performer. And of course, we want to share information about ourselves. But when you're a teacher and when you have a studio, you want it to be about the environment of the studio, what your students are learning, who your typical student might be and how they can see themselves in your studio. So just thinking about those questions that someone might be asking in order to join your studio, like what do they need to see? Do you have the information where you're based, what ages you work with, what levels you work with? Do you offer in-person sessions or only online? Those seem like very simple things, but are missed so much of the time. And I've had clients where they're very, very location-based and it's something you have to dig on their sites in order to find. So just putting that information front and center, making it super easy for someone visiting your website to just know exactly that they're in the right place or not in the right place if they're not going to be a good fit um, and can help them figure out you know, if that's going to be a good match. I just had like a little cringe inside when you were describing the website, which is all about the person and not about the client, because I know that's my website right now. And I think, Alexa, I just need to get out of my behind and uh, recreate something, I think. So what needs to be on my website design checklist as I make those changes? 
Yeah. So I will first say that I absolutely made this I don't want to say mistake. I think I made this knowing the information I had at the time because you do want to you want to share who you are and your accomplishments and there are places for that absolutely. So if this is you right now, we've all been there, we've all done it. You're just going to make some tweaks in order to shift it a little bit so it's a little bit more student and client based. So what I find is really helpful is you're going to have an about page that is about you, take the information that's on there and make it relevant to the students. It's great to talk about any awards you've won or the schools you went to and things like that. I find that sometimes there's just too much information about that. And we want more information that's present-based versus um, you know, about all of your accolades. You can also include just like little fun facts about yourself. That's really fun. So people can know you as a human versus, you know, just a musician or just a robot, but also including information on what people are going to get out of your website. So for example, I like to divide it into different sections. So reviews or testimonials, having a decent amount of those on your website. So other people can see the experience that your current or past students have had. If you have any videos of you performing or your students performing, just to show what that style is like, that can be really helpful. And then this is kind of a a preference, but having I, I like to have pricing on my site. I find that it can be really helpful for people to see, you know, what you're charging versus someone else. It's just gonna save you a lot of time instead of having all these inquiries. If you don't, that's also okay. I know that that's a very kind of hot topic. But I just find it's really helpful so that you're not wasting time with people filling out information and then seeing all of your pricing and services and then saying, oh, okay, I actually can't afford that or, you know, that kind of thing. And then also just information about what's involved in your studio um, or what you offer so that it's super clear, the expectations are clear, what benefits they're going to get, things like that. I think that's a huge area that people tend to forget to add and they just assume, you know, when they have their first lesson or introductory lesson, they'll explain all of that. But if you actually add that information to your website in a very clear way, it can save you a lot of time and just, again, establish if they're going to be the right fit for your studio and if you're going to be the right teacher for them. You mentioned about the different pages, like how many tabs is ideal and how many makes it completely user unfriendly? Yeah, I like to balance it between four and five. So the typical ones you'll have is the home page, about page, a services page, which would be like your lesson page, um, and contact. Anything else you could have, like besides that, would be like if you had um, a lot of times people have like a resources page, maybe of like books to buy or you know sheet music or um, maybe like if there's youth groups, like youth choirs, you could join, you can add those as a reference, but really any more besides that can start to get a little bit cumbersome. And we want to avoid that because when someone's coming to your website, it is a place of information, but we don't want to overwhelm them. So one other kind of mistake that I see people making is a lot of information for current students. That's very much on like the lessons page or the forefront of the website. And you can absolutely have information for your current studio, but we want your website to be bringing people in who aren't in your studio yet. I would have more of that current student information towards the back end. So yeah, like those main four to five pages, it's so helpful for people to see that. And that will save you from getting super overwhelmed either with redoing your website or creating it for the first time. 
Is there anything that we should have on that first landing page that makes people stay for a bit longer or have a little scoot around the other tabs? Yeah. The other thing that I find people do a lot, which is so, so common in musician websites, is basically just having like one picture either of them or their studio with their name. And then that's it for the homepage. We actually want to build out the homepage to include more information. So typically a format we use is you'll have right off the bat, the information of your studio name or your name or whatever that first title is. And then if you are in a specific location, adding that right underneath. So maybe it's like, you know, your name and then London voice lessons or in-person London voice lessons, something like that. So it's like very specific underneath that. I like to put a little next step that they can take. So maybe it's like, um, if you do offer some kind of like free introductory lesson, or maybe it's just scheduling your first lesson, putting a little button there to take, uh, to give people incentive to take a next step underneath that. I might even put a testimonial or a review to then keep building up that trust and showing why people like being in your studio. Underneath that, you could either put a video or a photo of a you working with a student, something like that, and continuing to build a picture of what it's like to work with you. And then you at the bottom put a little blurb about you so that people know who you are, you know, why your studio is the right choice for them. And then at the bottom, the other area that I find people typically don't use is the footer. So there, what you can do is actually put all the links to your website um, like you do at the top. It's called the menu or the navigation. Put that all at the bottom of your website in the footer so that once people get down to the bottom, they don't have to scroll all the way to the top to go to the next page. It's kind of this like continuous loop effect where they can stay on your website longer and just take out any work for them, making it super, super easy. I've heard that having a, a video introduction on your website is, is a great marketing strategy. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you advise that we do that? I love the idea of a video, especially if you're someone who's a vocalist and you're using your voice. That's a really, really great thing. It captures your personality. Um, I think it's great. One thing I do recommend is avoiding that autoplay feature. Sometimes when people are like, if they're out in public and they don't necessarily want the sound to be blaring, you know, when they're uh, on a website, but I think that's a great, great way to capture your personality and showcasing anything. Um, also just recommending a little bit of text in addition, maybe underneath it, just for people who might not necessarily, there's some people who are very weird about playing videos. So just kind of offering a little alternative, but um, a short video, one to two minutes can be so, so powerful. Yeah, that's a really great point. And would it work just speaking to the camera instead of having like, like a showreel sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think you could do either if you want to have a, a show reel, you could, but also just talking too, I think is not something so many people do. It's very, very um, few and far between that you would see that. So I think using that would really make you stand out. Once we're clear on our vision then, and we've chosen a website builder or teamed up with somebody like yourself, what's the first step in the design process? You want to start gathering all the different materials you have. And if you don't have any branding already, so for example, any of your the colors or fonts or pictures, um, definitely start figuring that out because that's a super important way of being memorable. 
If you ever, some people get really overwhelmed by figuring out their branding. One of my favorite tips is actually going and looking in your closet and seeing all the colors that you wear. Um, one of my like funniest memories of my mom um, is she she never like really quite knew her favorite color or she always said it was one color. And then we went and looked in her closet and she has so many shades of blue, like all of these blue shirts. And she was always saying like, it's my favorite color is purple or like this, but she has like 15 blue shirts. So if if I was ever to do her branding, it would be blue. Um, I just find it, it's a great way to show an extension of you. Um, So once you have your branding and you figured out your fonts and your logo and all those things, just getting all of those materials together is going to be helpful versus if you have everything in a really scattered way. So if all of your pictures are, you know, not in a folder, if they're just kind of like in different parts of your computer folders and things like that, um, it's going to take a lot more time. So I just like to get everything together and then start actually in a, a Google document or a Word document, actually writing out what's going to be on the website versus building it at the same time. Because if you're not used to building things out on a website, you're going to be adding in the time of writing and design at the same time. So that can just really back you up um, in terms of the timeline. So just putting everything together, having all of your materials separately, and then adding them to your website is going to make the process so much easier. Are there any colors or fonts that just do not work? Yeah. Fonts that are super script-like can be really hard to read. Anything that's more of like a handwriting font can be really hard. Please don't use Comic Sans. It's very early (laughs) 2000s or like Papyrus is very, very old. I don't know if you've experienced this, but the more that I stare at computers, the worse my eyesight is getting. So I like to kind of step back and look at things at a glance. So if there's a font that you've picked and you have a paragraph of text or even one line. Um, And if you can't read it at a glance or if you can't make out the words, someone else isn't, especially if they're a parent who maybe even has like older or like more worn out eyes. It might be, not to say that that's (laughs) that's everyone, but um, yeah, any fonts that are just hard to read at a glance, I wouldn't use. This could be um, even just the sizing. So if it's too small or if it's like uncomfortably big, don't use that. Um, Just kind of finding a very clear, easy to read font. Because you work in this field, do you ever like scroll through like, I don't don't know what your hobbies are, but uh, if you're like clothes shopping online, do you ever go like, this is horrible. I'm not buying from you, sorry. And then find another one. Do you get like judgy? (laughs) I do, I do. I've actually had on the, the more positive side, I've had friends. I had a friend who sent me this like, alternative rock bands website. And they were like, this is such a cool website. Like I thought you'd enjoy the design. Um, So that was really interesting. But there's so many times where I've looked on other websites and I have such a hard time finding someone's information to contact them. And if I can't find it, then I'll leave. And that's just instant business loss. If someone can't find your information or your design is so horrible, they feel like you can't trust them to you know, to do whatever it is that you're going to be hiring them to do or purchasing from them, the chances of them leaving are also pretty high. So um, I do, I I try to give a grain of salt if it's, you know, a, a regular person, you're just someone like a very, very small business owner, but there's times where um, much larger companies have, I've found their websites to be not ideal. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll maybe scoot away from it. 
Yeah. In terms of contact information and getting in, in touch with people, what are your thoughts on including a booking system? It's so great. I highly recommend it if you have it. It just makes it so much easier. I do find it's kind of personal preference if you want to have someone reach out because you can have more of that like contact point, but um, it's so, so helpful if you can have that, especially anytime something is sharing a reminder, like a, a time reminder or a calendar reminder with that other person. It's so helpful. Um, I, yeah, I love any kind of booking systems. I think it's just often they're just, they're very professionally done. They integrate with sites really well. And so um, whether it's, you know, just a button that opens that up at another tab, or if it's embedded in your site um, on that same page, it can be so easy. So anything you can use in your favor to make the process of someone contacting you easier, I highly recommend it. Do you have any particular bits of software for that that you recommend? I'm trying to think. Um, I know that Fonz, F-O-N-S, is a really big one. And I know that things have been, especially since the pandemic, have been growing and uh, there's been a lot more upgrades with this kind of software. So I'll have to keep thinking on which ones I recommend. I think Acuity might be another one. I've heard that's really good. Uh, but those are some really, really helpful ones. When it comes to picking the imagery that we use, how many photographs or pictures of things should we ideally be looking to use? Mm. Okay. So usually the way when I design websites, I like to have one large photo, a very like horizontal landscape photo at the top of the page. Um, usually it just looks really beautiful. It's helpful for adding some depth and um, color to your website. So if you were to have a four page website, you would want four at the top of every page. Then add in um, a photo of you on the home page and the about page at the least. Um, maybe another one on the contact page. So that's five, six. We're at seven. I would say usually for a website between ten to fifteen can be helpful, just depending on how many um, pages you have. Little detail photos can be really great. So for example, like just pictures of like hands on a keyboard or sheet music. Um, I really like there's a, a free online um, image site called Unsplash that has lots of great music photos. I use that for websites all the time. Um, they have like piano and people like singing or like kids singing or um, sheet music, things like that. That can be really great. Um, obviously, if you can work with a photographer and have any pictures of you performing or your students performing or you in your studio, um, that's really great. Obviously, if you're you know working with younger kids, you want to make sure you're having all of that coverage privacy wise and and talking with their parents. But um, I would say ten to fifteen is a, a really safe bet for the amount of photos, and it just really helps uh, paint that word story or just kind of branch the visual of you, you know, someone visiting your website and not knowing who you are and having pictures of you, it just kind of helps them feel more connected and a little bit more trusting of you because they're seeing either you in action or just seeing your face. I was going to ask actually about finding imagery or like having images taken of you or things around you. And you mentioned Unsplash there. So are there other advantages to or disadvantages to using these stock images? Yeah, for 
any kind of like detail photos. So like those piano ones or anything like, like background photos, it's totally fine to use the more stock ones. They're usually, like I said, either they're free or um, I think Shutterstock, it's like two or $3 per photo. So any of those detail photos, I think it's fine to use um, more of the stock ones, but for any ones of people actually performing, if it's, if it looks so far away from what your actual studio or studio experience is going to be, I wouldn't recommend using stock photos because then if someone joins their studio and you're like, this is not what anyone in your studio looks like or what, you know, it can feel very removed or confusing. Um, so I recommend if you can either, I mean, have a friend, everyone knows a friend with a camera or, you know, just hiring a photographer just to get a few, um, that can be super helpful. If people are really on a budget, which I know at the moment, a lot of people are feeling a bit of a pinch. How useful is it to have phone photographs? So, you know, mobile phones have got such better quality cameras now. Back in the day when I used to play Snake on my Nokia. Yes. <laughs> Literally want that back so bad. Um, but the cameras are, are so much better now. Are they good quality enough to kind of set up your ring light and, and have a have a selfie session? Oh, yeah, photos have come such a long way on on phones. It's kind of scary, um, but amazing. The thing with them on f- websites is that when they're being expanded, they don't have the same quality as a digital camera might. Um, so I say that with a grain of salt, though. If you have, you know, if you have a very very small budget, or you know, you're just trying to keep things small, having photos of you um, is better than nothing. I think. We want to. The great thing I really love about websites is that you can always change it. There's always things you can tweak. You can always update your photos later. So having something is always going to be better than nothing. Um, the quality of photos from your phone, it's. I mean, I'm very curious the direction that it's going to go and how that will um, go over time. If you can save it as like a JPEG file or a PNG, that quality is just going to be better once you upload it to um, the website platform. So overall, I would say it's not ideal to have it just because when things are expanded, it's going to be more pixelated. And there's something called um, SEO, which is search engine optimization. Um, And there's all these factors that go into that. So there's all of the backend stuff, which um, all the different copy and page descriptions that Google takes and that helps you rank. But there's also the front end experience that someone has. And if your photos are super grainy or just look really, really low quality, someone's going to leave your site sooner because they don't feel like it's a quality site. Um, there are obviously ways around this. You know, if you are taking your your selfies. If you're doing it with a ring light, that's amazing. Like that's so great. Sometimes I've seen photos um, taken on phones of people from performances, and a lot of times they can be less than ideal. Um, but I think to an extent, it does get the job done. One thing you can do, which I find really helpful, um, if you let's say you had a photo of you or a, a performance or something like that, and you kind of wanted to use it as more of a background photo you can create an overlay on top of it and just take like a color, like a box and lower the opacity. So it's more see-through and maybe layer some text on there. So it's still kind of painting that picture, but there's some added um, 
tools to it to kind of increase the quality of it. So that was kind of a long-winded answer, but it just really depends. I would, at the end of the day, say something is better than nothing. When it comes to writing the copy, the content of what's going to be put on the website, how much should we be writing or is it bulleted points? What would you say there? For when you're writing, I recommend writing out everything, just kind of doing like a brain dump and then paring your information down from there. Usually when you're coming from a very academic background, like we might as teachers um, or performers, there is a tendency to write a lot and just share as much information as possible. When in reality, there's actually a lot less that people need to see. The thing that's really helpful is, like you said, making it into bullet points or just writing in shorter sentences, adding some spaces versus these long paragraphs that when someone sees that, they might not want to read it. If if it's like paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, they feel like they're reading a book rather than you know visiting a website. So anytime you can break down information into very digestible bits, that's going to be really helpful. Um, and the one thing that I always actually encourage people to do is switch from third person to first person. It communicates a lot more clearly and makes people feel like they're talking to a human versus reading about someone who offers voice lessons. It is a really hard shift when you're so used to writing about things in third person and writing very academically. Um, But when you write in first person, it just offers that more human to human connection that can help with that conversion. So if we've got our colors and we've got everything laid out, we know that it's looking like we want it to look, should this reflect how our social media platforms look as well? So if, if I've used like a burgundy or a pink or something on my website, should I be using those same colors on Instagram? Absolutely. And the benefit of doing this is that it creates this un, uh, this not unconscious, subconscious um, correlation between the two so that if someone is seeing your website and then they see their so- your socials, they'll know before even reading the name that that's your studio or that's you as a performer. Um, It's first of all, so helpful so that you don't have to do two different kinds of branding, branding, excuse me. Um, But also, yeah, it just creates that correlation between the two. It makes it so much easier. And um, I mean, for example, like if you're looking at this video, like my water bottle is pink. I have a pink um, mouse at my desk. Like everything I have is pink. I have people who will see something pink and they'll send me a picture and they'll say, oh, I thought of you. Or, you know, when they're on my website, they'll see all these different things that are pink. And so it's just creating that that association with you. And it makes it so much easier to be memorable because when there are so many other teachers or so many other people who offer the same thing as you, you want to do whatever you can to be memorable, to stand out. Um, And a very easy way of doing this is just by using the same colors and branding on your website as your social media. As a lover of pink, are you just really taking all the Barbie stuff in at the moment? I am. And it makes me so happy. I've actually had people think I was going to the Barbie movie when I was out wearing pink, but I was just just going out for the day. <laughs> so many people have been dressing up in the cinema. I totally was underdressed when I when I went to see the film. It's like, I do not have my Barbie top or a bow <laughs> in yeah. my hair. Yeah. That's okay. Didn't get the memo. Uh, how often should we be updating our website? It It's definitely... Um, based on what you're offering. But what I like to do is just set a reminder in my calendar for once every quarter 
to just do a quick overview of my site, make sure all the links are still working, make sure all the information is still relevant. Um, I find that makes it a lot easier to update anything versus a once a year uh, updating where everything can get really overwhelming. Um, the other thing is that Google rewards websites that have updated information, even if it's just, you know, maybe swapping out some photos and a couple lines of text just to update that, um, because it's showing that the information is more relevant than it was for a site that hasn't been updated since 2005. So doing that is going to help with your rankings on Google. Um, and again, if you can do it in smaller chunks, it's just going to save you a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you there. Um, what legal information is important for us to list and where does that need to go on the website? This is the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. That's oh. so, so smart. Good job. Gold stuff. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yeah. So depending on what information you have on your website and if you have anything that tracks where they are on your website, you want to have forms and any legal information to protect both of you from that. So usually we'll set up different pages specifically for that. The big ones are privacy policy, um, terms and conditions, and then there's all different kinds of you know ones you can have after that. If you're um, if you have like a, a newsletter, you need to have definitely like privacy policy and terms and conditions. Anytime you're taking someone's information, if you're using it for marketing after that. Um, if you are just collecting someone's information from them filling out a contact form, it's not, not as pressing, but, um, just having anything to cover that your information is your information so that nobody copies your website, that can be an issue sometimes. Um, and to make sure that, um, the information is protected and that people's experience on your website, that there's no like cookies tracking them and, and all those things like that. And, that we have to worry about. Um, but just having a couple pages of that, putting it, I usually put it in the footer of the website, just in little small text that people can check out if they so want to read that. Um, but just covering your bases can be really helpful. How can we best encourage traffic to our website? You mentioned the SEO before. So how do we get more user engagement as well? Yeah, I love thinking about this because it's it can be so helpful. Um, so one of the, the very easiest things you can do is just link your website everywhere, put it in the signature of your email, add it to all of your social media. I mean, just thinking about it, there's Instagram, Facebook. If you have a Facebook business page, um, if you have a YouTube, linking it to all those different places can be really helpful. If there's any um, free like forums or listings in your area, if you're a very like location-based business, it can be really helpful. So for example, um, in my area, there's it's for artists, like you can just list your information for you know your services in that area. It's totally free. And that just gives you another place for people to see your website. So doing that's really helpful. Another thing that sometimes people hate hearing this, but having a blog is super helpful because you can just write little updates or share tips. And it's a very, um, it doesn't take up a ton of space on your website, but having those new pieces of content or information will help people find your website more easily, especially if you're answering questions that people are typing into Google. So for example, if someone was like, you know, what are the best tips for a, I don't know, like a seven-year-old voice student or like, what, what should you know at that age? Or what are some 
um, pieces of music that is great for this level of student. If you just write a little blog post addressing that from your experience, um, people will find that and then they'll start to check out your website and see if you're a good fit. So it just kind of encourages them to go to your website, see what else you have to offer. And then another one I just thought of is Pinterest. If you're really into that, I mean, that's a whole process, but that can be really helpful too. If you're really into making little pins and things like that. Um, but yeah, anywhere you can put your website, make sure people have eyes on it. Don't keep it a secret. Can you tell us how you got into website designing and the work that you do now at uh, Nicole Ricardo Media? Yeah. So I actually, I have a background as a flute player. I went to school for um, music education. And at one point in my life, I thought that I was going to run my own private flute studio. So um, I created a website for it and I did everything that I just advised you not to do. Um, I made it all about me. I didn't have any information that was helpful on there. And I I realized during the process that I really, really loved it. Um, and then I wound up um, just learning more information about website design. I found that I actually enjoyed making the website more than I did teaching. So that was very telling. And I said, there's plenty of other flute teachers out here. That's super, super helpful for them to have students instead of me. Um, but I wound up connecting with this woman, Nicole Ricardo, and she had taught me a lot about, she had website design experience. And so she taught me a lot about it and she was looking to um, move in a direction of more managing versus the one creating um, per se. So um, I got to learn a lot of the conversion-based strategies from her and apply it as building up for websites for clients. Um, our first client ever was a composer. And so that was super fun to, to do that. But we've gotten to work with a bunch of different studio teachers and um, performing musicians. And it's been really fun to be kind of like a, a cog in the wheel of their success or what they are offering to people. Um, and I just, I love the project of it. I think it's really fun to be able to I mean, every, the structure of a website is going to be pretty similar for everyone, but the way someone's personality is or the things that they offer, it's just going to look different. Even if you had the same layout, but just change the colors, it's just going to look different for everyone. And I think it's so fun to be able to take what they're working on and make it into something that's going to help support them even more. So um, it's a super fun way of being in the music world without having to do the thing that I actually didn't want to do. And what would be your top tip for somebody coming to you to team up to get a website built for them? What's that bit of advice that you would give? I think it would be, what is your goal for your website? Like what, if someone were to take one action on your website, sign up for one thing or buy one thing, what would you want them to take away from it? Because when, of course, many people have multiple offerings, we do, um, but there can be a lot of overwhelm that happens with that. And there can be a lot of um, misdirection and cluttered information when we have so many different offerings and we're not clear of the one thing we really want someone to take away from our site. And so I think having that in mind can make the world of a difference in a website design. We can we can guide you as much as possible, but at the end of the day, I think it's personal preference what you want, like what your dream client is or what your, you know, 
if you had one thing you wanted to sell, like what that would be. Um, and so just having that information in mind can be really, really helpful before we work with someone so that, you know, we're not kind of working backwards in order to then move forwards with the design. How much does it cost roughly to work with a web designer? And I know that this will probably be in dollars because you're currently based in Boston, aren't you? Yeah. So, um, it, it depends. There's a couple different options. So one thing that um, has been really, really awesome to create is actually website templates. So we have a few different ones. One is actually for specifically studio, like private studio teachers. So it's, we took one of our custom design sites and made it into, I don't know, did you ever have Mad Libs when you were younger? Like you just kind of like it gives you like a sentence and then they take out some words in the middle and you have to like fill it in yourself. It's very silly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you didn't have it. Okay. I, I think there's a game like that, like a board game a bit like, like yeah. what you described. Yeah. So that's kind of how we made this template. So it's very just like fill in, we, we designed it and then you just fill in the information. So um, I'll have to figure out what the conversion is to, to pounds, right? Yeah. Dollars. Yeah. Um, so for those it's, it's, um, $250, um, just to do the pre-design one. That's really helpful if you're more on the tech savvy, not tech savvy side, but if you want to do things on your own, um, and not have ones totally build it out for you, but it comes pre-designed, which is helpful. And then for a more custom site, um, I'm trying to remember, I believe so a more start, we call it a starter custom site, which would include branding, building it out for you. Um, the cop, a copy template that we have that is 2,600. And then, um, anything beyond that is more of a based on what you need. So, um, all of these things come with your own, like we do all the branding. So it's creating a logo, all the fonts, um, building it from start to finish for you. So, that we highly rec- recommend for people who are really just focusing on what they're doing on their, you know, unique offer and they just don't have any time and they don't want to do it themselves. Um, so it's it's really nice to have the variety of being able to do it totally for someone or having an option that's a lot more budget friendly um, that someone can just do on their own. Taylor, you have been so generous with your expertise. So thank you so much for your time. Just remind us where people can find out more about Nicole Ricardo Media and get in touch. Awesome. Well, it's been so much fun to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me. We have a website. It's called NicoleRicardoMedia.com. Um, we also have an Instagram. It's NRMedia and then an underscore. Um, if anyone has any questions, I'm always happy to chat about websites. I could talk about them all day. I know that's not for everyone, which <laughs> is totally understandable, but um, it's always really nice to work with other musicians and just talk about um, your website needs. And uh, just, I think anytime we can talk about how to get out of the old website design look and information and have a website for you that's more um, modern and actually going to help you get students and clients and business and things like that. Um, I always love talking about it. So if you have any other questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Always happy to chat about it. But yeah, thank you so much for your time and all these amazing questions. Taylor Rossi, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment.
Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple Podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click Write a Review.